the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. No book on earth is deeper and richer than the Bible, and few passages of Scripture go deeper than the ninth chapter of the book of Romans. Welcome to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick, a ministry of Canyon Ridge Baptist Church in San Diego. You'll hear verse-by-verse preaching that will help you know and love Jesus in a personal and practical way. Open your Bibles with us to Romans chapter 9 and listen into part 2 of this message in progress as we learn together from the Bible. Because Abram had other children who that's not the case with. And he had six other sons and a daughter who, who, who that's not the case with. They were the offspring of a woman named Keturah that he married after uh, the death of Sarah. And so Abram is making this very strong and powerful point that not every descendant of Abraham is saved. And it doesn't make the word of God void. That is, they which are the children of the flesh, verse number eight. These are not the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted for the seed. Verse number nine. For this is the word of promise. At this time will I come and Sarah shall have a son. This is the promise. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even our father Isaac. So Abram had a wife named Sarah. His son Isaac had a wife named Rebekah. And she, Rebekah, had two sons, Jacob and Esau. For the children being, verse number 11, not yet born, having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. So is the word of God made void? No. And then he answers in verse number 9 through verse number 13, that God's plan to bring the message in the Messiah was through Jacob and Israel. So again, he's getting super clear here, and this is foundational for the rest of this section of scripture, that Paul Paul is saying, not only did God use Abraham and Isaac, but in Isaac, who had two sons through Rebekah, Esau and Jacob, God chose the line of Jacob, whose name would later be changed to Israel. And, and Israel was chosen to be the means by which the Messiah and his message would come to the world. This is the way in which the, the promise was given. In, in Genesis chapter 12, verse number three, God says this to Abraham, I will bless them that bless thee and I will curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the family of the earth, families of the earth be blessed. And that blessing came through Isaac, the, that, not Ishmael. That blessing came through Jacob, not Esau. So salvation, the idea that salvation was guaranteed that Paul is dealing with is repudiated in this text. It's imperative to remember that when Paul was talking about the blessing, he's not talking about the nation of Israel experiencing corporate salvation, nor even individuals being saved. He's referring to the work that they have been chosen to perform, which was the noble purpose of communicating the word of God to a lost and dying world and to be the lineage or the line of the Messiah. Okay, pastor, what's all this about? Okay. All of this is, it really comes down to this idea. 
that sometimes people use this text to say that God picks some people to go to heaven and some people to go to hell and there's absolutely nothing in this world that you can do about it. Like you're born and you're on your way to heaven and they'll actually use verse number nine, verse number 11, for the children being not yet born, neither having done good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. So the reason that I wanted to spend an aggregate amount of time on what the blessing is and on what the work is, is because I don't want the assumption to be made that, that a person's eternal destiny is established independent of their decision and before they're even born. Well, what is it talking about? Right, 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 right. That's what, what is it talking about here? Well, it's talking about the call of God on the nation of Israel to propagate the gospel, the good news of Christ, and to be the line of the Messiah or the word of God and the Messiah of God, the, the message of God and the messenger. And that's gonna come through Isaac. But he's not here specifically even even broadly talking about the concept of salvation. It's important to remember that God did not use Isaac and his descendants because he was impressed by them. He didn't use them because he was impressed by them. God used Isaac and Jacob for whatever his will was and to do his will because that was the choice that he make, made. And God chose, it's imperative to understand this, God chose, number one, I have like five things, I'm just gonna read them quickly, you'll see them on the screen. God chose Jacob, the weaker of the two brothers in age and physical prowess um, for the noble purpose of bringing the word of God to the rest of the world. That's why God chose him. Number two, God chose Jacob to fulfill his promise, not based on the impressiveness of the nation of Israel, Deuteronomy 7, verse number 7, or the morality of its representative head. Abram, Genesis chapter 25, verse 23. Abram made some really bad decisions. It's important to remember that God does not choose you for salvation, but he does choose to use you. And the calling of God is not because of your ability. The calling of God is because of his eternal plan. I I love first Corinthians chapter one, verse number 25 through 29, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are. Why? That no flesh would glory in his presence. God didn't choose Isaac and, and Jacob or, 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 or and, and Abraham because they brought anything to the table. God chose them because it was part of his eternal will to choose them. But the choosing was not a choice of salvation. The choosing was a choice of the word of God and the lineage of the Messiah. Number three, the fulfillment of God's word has never relied on the faithfulness or even the morality of the individual chosen to carry it out. We read Romans 3, 3 and 4 earlier. What if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? If they don't believe, will it just ruin the whole faith of God? God forbid. Let God be true and every man a liar. Everyone could walk away. God's work is still gonna move forward. 
God's word and God's work will be accomplished. God uses men, but God is not dependent upon mankind. Number four, neither Jacob nor Esau would be justified apart from grace through faith in Christ alone. They're looking forward to Christ. Even though they are direct descendants of Abraham and Isaac, they still had to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Last part of verse number 11. But uh, that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works, but of him that calleth. Number five, I want you to understand this. Salvation is by the covenant of grace through faith and the call of God, not the covenant of law and works. Not the covenant of law and works. So verse number 12. Now we're getting to the crux and this is what books are written about, debates are had, people get read in the face, blog posts are everywhere about verses 12 and 13. It was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger, as is written, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. Now, this is a quote of Malachi chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. It's been confusing to so many and, and challenging. And to be honest with you, man, I studied quite extensively because I want to be clear and I want to speak accurately. And, and this is no doubt a confusing passage. And, and I really believe it gets confusing because the blessing is often referred to as salvation when the blessing should not be referred to as salvation when the blessing should be considered the, the word of God coming from that people to the rest of the world and the Messiah coming from those people to the rest of the world. And I would submit to you that those are the important criteria and distinction to remember. That that's the blessing that is talked about in verse four and five. And so Paul is saying, or Paul is saying, the elder will serve the younger. Okay, Jacob, who is younger, is going to be served by his older brother Esau. The elder will serve the younger. Totally uh, counterculture in that day. The younger would always serve the elder in that day. So it's totally bizarre that Jacob would serve Esau in that culture. But then the question when God says, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated? Man, that's powerful. Well, what does the word hate even mean? It really means this, rejecting without disdain one over another for a noble task. God's hatred is a figure of speech here. Both love and hate here refer to God's choice. And this figure of speech is sometimes called a a Semitism. And we read about that in Genesis chapter 29, 31 and 33, Deuteronomy 21, 15, Matthew 6, 24, Luke 14, 26, and John chapter 12, verse number 25. The Bible says in the book of Matthew, Jesus saying, no man that comes to me and does not hate father, mother, sister, or brother uh, for my sake and the gospel. He uses this idea, this Semitism. Do we really believe that God wants you to hate your parents? Well, that would be a violation of honor your parents, obey your authority, be gracious to your parents. Proverbs talks extensively about the parent-child relationship and the importance of the child showing reverence and honor to their parent. Do we really believe that God wants you to hate your parents? 
And the Bible talks extensively as well about hatred and, and, and how God, God stands in gross opposition to that. And we need to live in perpetual forgiveness and in a spirit and attitude of forgiveness. Do we really think God wants a believer hating anyone? Like if you hate somebody, you need to repent of that. The Bible says that, that hatred is a, is a reason for condemnation. So does God hate Esau that much? Matter of fact, if we make that argument, I wasn't going to bring this out, but I will because I feel led to. Verse 2 and 3 where Paul says, I have great heaviness and sorrow uh, and continual sorrow in my heart, but I could wish myself a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. If God hated Esau and sending him to hell, which some people want to promote and, and proclaim, and I'll, I'll talk about this in just a minute, a little more. Are we saying that Paul had a greater heart for the souls of mankind than God did through his inspired word? That Paul was a greater Christian than Jesus? That's the, come on, nobody would believe that. Nobody would go like, oh yeah, yeah, he was. He's a better Jesus follower than Jesus. I mean, Romans chapter 10, verse number one, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Well, well, if Paul is making the claim that God is sending Israel to hell and people from Israel to hell without any regard for them and without anything they've done, well, why would Paul say that? I I, I want them to be saved, but I know that that God's going to send them to hell. There's absolutely nothing that can be done about it. And God's happy to send them to hell because he loves one and he hates the other. No, we would think that would be silly. The word hate here means to prefer one over another for a noble task. It would be, okay, this is not an, a, a, a perfect analogy. It will fall apart, but get the heart of it, okay? Get the heart of it. I have two daughters. And um, Judith, who is 27... And she's not here, so everything bad will be on her end. She's in Hawaii. And Natalie, who's soon to be 25. I know their strengths and weaknesses, okay? So if I have the noble task of, hey, I want you guys, could you do me a favor and go to the neighbor's house and be really nice to them and be really gracious? They're kind of grouchy, so could you be really nice and gracious and deliver them this gift, okay? The noble task. Giving people cookies might not be noble, especially if they have diabetes, but you're working with me, all right? You're working with me. If you like what you've heard so far, check out CanyonRidgeRadio.com. You can see videos and listen to hundreds of Bible messages that will help you in your walk with the Lord. You can also send a message to me and Pastor Chadwick. Check us out at CanyonRidgeRadio.com. Now, back to the message in progress. For that task, Judith have I loved, Natalie have I hated. Say, what do you mean? I would choose my daughter Judith to do that. What do your your parents just think I need cookies or something? Is that going to make me feel better? And Judith would go, I am so sorry. Can we hug? And, And they would hug and there would be tears and they'd walk away and Judith would feel great. Now, on the other hand, if, if, if it talks about like the safety of our home, and caring for the needs of our stuff, Natalie would, I love, and Judith would, I hate. 
because somebody could come into my house and they'd, you know, knock on the door or whatever. And Judith would go, oh, come on in. Oh, you want my parents' TV? Sure. Let me show you where the safe is. Yeah. Matter of fact, here's the code. Matter of fact, here's my dad's social security number. Matter of fact, we can get on his computer right now. I think you can get into his 401k, transfer all the money. You need that. That's all yours. Natalie, on the other hand, would be like, you knocked on my door and she'd have the 12 gauge shotgun out pointed at the door. And it's just the Amazon delivery guy. I'm just trying to illustrate this word does not mean to have abject disregard for someone, but it means to prefer one over another for a noble task. And God preferred Jacob or Israel over Esau for the noble task. Now make no mistake. I don't think Esau was a great dude. His character is is very clearly seen. You say, well, good God, I made a choice for that. Absolutely. The scripture does not give us all the insight into everything that worked. Esau was was a man of very low character. And the Bible even talks about it in Hebrews chapter 12, 16, 17, in that that general passage. The Bible talks about Esau being a man of very, very low character and, and not someone that God would choose. But it doesn't mean that God chose if I could say it this way, that God chose to send him to hell when he was still in the womb. That's what he's saying. So Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. So two things. The hatred is in reference to God's selection of Jacob and his lineage for the noble person purpose over Esau and his lineage. Jesus was not born through the line of Esau, but there were Edomites who were saved. Number two, it has this passage had to do with God's dealing with Jacob and Esau on the earth, not their eternal souls. On the earth, not their eternal souls. There are things about God I don't understand. And anyone who says they understand everything about God, you should probably run from real fast. You probably should. There's things I don't understand. I, I can't fathom why I was born into a pastor's home. Not just a pastor, but a passionate evangelistic pastor who wanted and still wants to see people saved every single day of his adult life. I don't know why I was born into that home. I mean, my dad shared the gospel with me when I was still in the womb. The first words I ever heard my father say, I wasn't, I mean, I was there, but I, you know, I kind of wasn't there. I just been through a traumatic experience. Um, I was there, but the first words I ever heard my father say are, Christopher, I love you, but you need to understand you're a sinner and you're going to die and spend eternity in hell separated from God. Man, nothing says like, welcome to this world like that. Those are the first words my dad ever spoke to me. I probably heard the gospel preached thousands of times before I accepted Christ as my savior as a 10-year-old kid. I don't understand how I could be born into a home like that and some of you in the room were born into atheistic homes and you didn't hear the gospel till you were an adult. I, 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 
I don't have an answer for that. I've had people ask me, like, what's the, I, don't, I don't have an answer. But this is what I want to make very, very clear. God did not violate any of our free will by telling us we can't accept him or we have to accept him. Salvation is available to all mankind. There are things I don't understand. Okay, there's things we all don't understand. But he didn't violate our free will. He didn't violate Esau's free will when he sold his birthright, when Esau sold his birthright. He he didn't violate Esau's free will by even choosing Jacob for a noble task and preferring Jacob for the noble, noble task. But what he didn't do is he didn't say, Esau and all of you people over here, you don't get to accept me. Only this select group does. What he did say, what he did say is this, that any who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. What he did say is I'm not, this is God's word, God speaking here. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What he did say is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What he did say is that whoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Over and over and over again throughout the word of God, repeatedly throughout the word of God, we hear truth after truth that God wants all men everywhere to be saved. Well, but pastor, he preferred Jacob over Esau. Yes, for the noble task of bringing the word into the world, of being an example to a lost and dying world, and the Messiah being born through that line. But he did not force himself on Isaac, and he did not keep himself from Esau. The text does not deal with that at all. We'll, we'll get into it a little bit more next week, or, or in a couple of weeks. But that is not at all what the text is talking about. The question is often asked of me. Well, pastor, do you think Esau went to heaven or did he go to hell? I didn't know that was a big debate until I started studying this passage. But oh my word, if you want to get yourself lost in a, in a Google conversation, go for it. I personally do not think that Esau was saved. I don't have an, I don't, I don't, I can't say for certain because the scripture doesn't say, but based on the fact that he sought repentance and he found none, which in that word repentance just means he was remorseful, not really sorry for his sin. Uh, I, I, I don't know if I had to be a, if I had to make a decision, I would say probably not. He was probably not saved. He probably never gave his heart and life to the Lord. I, 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 I can say that with a small measure of confidence. I think you hear it in my voice, but I will say this. It's not because God didn't, wouldn't let him. There's a big difference between the two. So Esau might not have been saved, but you can be. And you can be saved by understanding that you're a sinner, just like Esau and just like Chris. And understanding that because of your sin, you'll be eternally separated from God, just like everyone who 
rejects Jesus Christ and you'll be eternally separated from God in a place called hell. And that brings grave sorrow to our hearts. That brings grave sorrow to our minds. We don't want anybody in this room to spend eternity in hell separated from God. God God is not willing that you should perish. God doesn't want you to die and go to hell. Jesus died so that you might be saved, so that you would be saved. And our prayer this morning is that you would be saved and you would give your heart and life to Christ. God's plan to accomplish God's work was through Isaac. But for some of you, God's plan to accomplish his work is today you heard a message that you're a sinner, you need a savior, and only Jesus can save you, and that today you would be saved. And our prayer is today that some of you this morning would realize you're a sinner and that you're in need of a savior and that you would give your heart and life to Jesus Christ today and not spend eternity in hell separated from God, understanding that God loves you, understanding there's nothing in this world that should keep you from Christ and giving your, your heart, mind, and soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. And your life will be forever changed. Your eternity will be forever changed if you'll do that. And then some of you believers here, like the nation of Israel, may have stopped sharing the gospel. You might talk about good things, but you're not sharing the gospel. That's what we've been commissioned to do. That's what we've been called to do. Would to God that every person in this room would grab some flyers and invite somebody to back to church Sunday next week or give some, do you know how much God loves you, flyers to people this week. Just letting the whole world know that Jesus Christ loves them and he died for them and their eternal soul hangs in the balance. And I wanna be a, a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hid. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna be a candle under a bushel. And I know you don't either. So let's, let's together evangelize a world that is in desperate need of the gospel. Let that be our desire. God's work will be accomplished. I pray it's accomplished through us. For this time in this place, that it will be accomplished. You've been listening to Canyon Ridge Radio with Pastor Chris Chadwick. Tune in next week as Pastor Chadwick continues this powerful series of messages from Romans chapter 9. Speaking of, if you have any questions about what it means to be a Christian, the Bible, and how to go to heaven, we invite you to visit CanyonRidgeRadio.com for more information. We hope this episode of Canyon Ridge Radio has been an encouragement to you. Canyon Ridge Baptist Church is a growing church located in beautiful San Diego, California. If you're in the San Diego area, make plans to visit us this Sunday at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 5 o'clock p.m. at 6866 Linda Vista Road. For more information about our church, pastor, or how to know Jesus is your Savior, visit our website at CanyonRidgeRadio.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.